Hello everyone and welcome to the brand new Post Jay Roberts episode of Podcast Maximus. I am Stuart Webb and joining me today as for sort of general catch-up, all-encompassing comic podcasts are a lady that the branches of Starbucks in a local area thinks is called Mary Ann, Marion. Hi. And the man who isn't Jay Roberts. Though they call me that in Starbucks. It's Tom. And how are we all, folks? We're, we're very well. Thank you. How are you, Stuart? I'm quite knackered. I've had a very long weekend. But uh, speaking of long weekends, as uh, segues, uh, the last time we all spoke was at TF Nation, which Tom couldn't attend because he was off on his special mission in space. Uh, so did, did we all, the two of us were there, have a good time? Stuart and Marion, did you have... Um... Did you have a real good super time at TF Nation? Yes. yes I heard yes, yes. I heard what happened up in, in the hotel room, in, in Denya's hotel room. Well, my, my favourite uh, memory of that interview was actually beforehand, uh, where James and I were talking at the bar, and about the morning TI, and we were having a chat, and, uh, yeah, because I, I know James relatively well, so it was an honest chat about it, and Denya, uh, our good friend, was sat behind James, and he was clearly worried about what I was saying because he was doing the most emphatic eyebrow acting uh, behind James' shoulder of, don't talk about the comic and what you think about it. He might not do the interview sort of faces. And it was a wonderfully expressive mime he was doing. It was quite beautiful. And actually made me say worse things just to see his reaction. No, no, he didn't really know very um, nice. <laughs> for, for those of us who don't know, Shia Denier is our fourth silent Podcast Maximus member. Uh, Denier helps us out with a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and he helped us out setting up the interview, and also very, very generously let us use his hotel room very late on the Saturday, um, <laughs> whilst he, I think, probably really wanted to go to sleep. So... Th- Thank you, Daniel. He's a lovely man. And he's literally, so he's in this call, but he's just not saying anything. He's just watching us and judging. Stroking a white cat. <laughs> With a bit too much force. Every unlikely event you've not listened to that episode, uh, dear listener, do go listen to the last one because there's a, a lot of good stuff. And uh, thanks to James as well, actually, for giving us an awful lot of his time. He sat up there with us for about three hours. Um, what, what time did you start recording that then? Ah, uh, nine o'clock, wasn't it? Something like that. I think, oh, nine, yeah. okay. That's, so, and I guess it went on until like midnight. About half twelve, I think, eventually. Said, James, you need to go away. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, TF Nation, the first TF Nation. Uh, but, I mean, inevitably, there were a lot of comparisons with Auto Assembly. Uh, there were a lot of similarities with Auto Assembly. But I found it, overall, it was um, definitely a, a new, revamped sort of... Um, you know, it was a different thing. I think it took quite a lot of what was good about auto assembly, and then it made it better and added and you know sort of new things that made it feel fresh. So I, yeah, I think it was a very successful first convention. I had an excellent time. I look forward to next year, and I hope you'll be there, Tom, for that one. But yeah, yeah, I will come next year. So, what is the the biggest improvement of TF Nation over auto assembly? Oh, uh, very relaxed, very mellow. There was no sort of stressing from anybody. Everybody was, doesn't everybody was just, yeah, hey, we're having a, a bit, it was like everybody just smoked a load of dope and it was very chilled. Okay. And no, everybody seemed to be working very hard, but nobody seemed to be particularly in a bad place about it, if you see what I mean. Uh, but I also really liked, they had, there was a, like an exhibition room where you could go and look at third party toys on display. That was amazing. Oh, yes. I saw those cool pictures. Yeah. That was fantastic. There was a, a room specifically for sort of um, you know, non-official artists if they wanted to sell merchandise there, which kind of worked and kind of didn't work, unfortunately, because you had to go there to look at the stuff and there was nothing else to see in the room. I think a lot of the time it felt very quiet. I think they need to kind of rethink that a little bit because a lot of people wanted to go in and check out, you know, the merchandise and the prints and the whatever else was going on in there. But I'm sure a lot of people just ignored it um, because it was out of the way. I kept meaning to go in there and uh, I never got round to it. I mean, it was also slightly out of the way room as well. I think the toy room, 
I ended up going in there because I was walking past it at one point. So I thought I'd pop in, but I never went past the uh, the Lords of Forge one. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, an area that we would make it out for next year. Nick Roach, um, he had food poisoning on the sat on the Saturday, and uh, couldn't make it to the first panel on the Sunday, but managed to just about make it to his own panels into uh, of the Wreckers panel, which was fantastic. Oh, what did you learn at the on the Sins of the Wreckers panel? Oh, well, have you picked up the trade paperback yet? I haven't. Uh, I have, but I haven't actually read the extras. I've kind of lived through them, but there is a lot, and I mean a lot of extras in there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, early ideas and a lot of things that didn't actually make it into the book. Uh, so I would highly recommend it. The panel, uh, I don't think this made it to any online edit, uh, editing podcast, but we, uh, when we recorded about the episodes, we had the review copy, which was exciting. Uh, there was a main panel that was majorly different in issue five, and that panel is in the extras. Uh, so that's ah, the one with Prime. It, yes, it's immortalised. <laughs> that was my main excitement about the trade. Uh, and, uh, that's one of my main regrets about uh, the convention. Actually, I didn't get a chance to speak to Nick. I picked up the scenes trade, uh, the limited edition, and uh, very cruelly kept it to myself when so many other people wanted one. Other than that, I didn't really get a chance to say hello to him, but uh, so that, that was all behind the creeps, which is a real shame. Uh, there was also a charity auction for a copy of Eugenesis, James Roberts' oh. uh, unofficial book Eugenesis, which in the end went for something like over 300 quid, I believe. Uh, it went to a fan from Japan uh, who must be very happy to have it, and a lot of very happy people. Uh, must be very happy to have the, the donation money. There were like three copies of Eugenesis at that convention. So I bought mine with me to get signed. Marion got a copy there. Off you again. He's a, he's a man who keeps giving. <laughs> and uh, uh, that one, so there, were, there were at least three that uh, you get a sign. Uh, and I, I, it's a shame we didn't get all together and have a picture of us from our copies looking at them because I know that will probably never happen again in history. Uh, the universe <laughs> may have exploded or been sucked into a black <laughs> hole. There was a free Genesis copy. But uh, there were some TMUK people there who also had copies. I, I don't believe they brought theirs with them. And they were like, yeah, for 300 quid, that's a book's worth now. That's tempting to sell that, isn't it? For not charity. <laughs> I just keep it myself. Yeah, I wonder when they're going to depreciate in value. But, well, only well, unless you know James vanishes or, or writes a bad comic. Or something. <laughs> well, they, they find all those bodies in his basement. Uh, but that would probably increase the value, though. But it was interesting. Uh, he was about, I missed what's on a podcast one piece we were talking about afterwards. Uh, we were talking about briefly about Genesis, and he uh, he's not actually that impressed with it being retrospect. Well, that's good. If he was impressed with something he'd written 10 years ago, where he had no editor, that's, uh, that would reflect poorly on him, wouldn't it? Um, so what else about TF Nation? The um, exhibitors, I think, were the usual people. The exhibitors, the vendors, I should say. Uh, Schiller's. So. <laughs> um, anyway, the people who have the plastic things to sell for money... Are they still the emphasis of the show, like they were at Auto Assembly? Because I found that like quite distasteful. It, I, it didn't feel that way, actually. I think the stage was very much, and they'd actually created now, they had the artists on both sides of the hall. Uh, it was still, there were some issues, because as usual, sort of James was next to Nick, who had the biggest two cues, and that created some awkwardness. Uh, you know, they could have managed a little bit better, but um, I thought it definitely worked better that they were not all on one side. Um, and then in the middle, there was the stage um, and the panels. Not all the panels were there either, because I find sometimes, without assembly fund, I really wanted to listen to the panelists, and you can't, uh, because everybody else is talking, and you know, there's all this commotion going on behind you, and as you say, there's you know, merchandise being exchanged or whatever. Um, I found that worked better this year. Okay, that's good to hear. Uh, I uh, spent surprisingly little on toys, uh, but it was still quite a bit. Uh, it was mainly uh, the the arty stuff I got this year. Uh, the uh, I got an Alex Mills sketch cover and uh, very nearly bought the page from issue fifty five of Megatron's Antimatter Eyes. Uh, so that, that was made. I said I believe somebody got a lot of drift. Uh, sketches. Yeah, I wanted to make this a drift here. It wasn't just drift sketches because I had Alex's, Alex Mills commissions from last year that he hadn't managed to finish for quite a few people actually. Uh, so I got them this year and I got a really fantastic uh, big commission of Megatron. Uh, 
uh, and uh, a little thank you for waiting sketch of Megatron as well of him, uh, a Voss commission, and then I got a, actually I've only just had the one, because I only had Guido's drift, uh, Keizama had the really bad luck of uh, luggage being delayed, and it didn't actually arrive till the very last day of the convention, so all her commissions and prints and everything wasn't there, which was, yeah, must have been really hard on her. Um, but she's uh, since mailed them out uh, and prints whoever, for whoever wanted to order them, and she's done so without charging for the shipping. Uh, which is very generous of her because she must have lost a lot of money with uh, the whole thing, um, which is really, really a shame. Yeah, I guess there's no insurance for that kind of thing. Yeah, I would, I would think not. And yeah, I don't even know if you can say that you're coming here to work. To sell shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. So, yeah, you know, okay, I'm sorry you've had this bad luck if you're listening. Uh, I really hope next time works out better. But um, I'm looking forward to my, that drift commission arriving in the post and my drift print from KSL. But I did pick up her sketchbook. And uh, I did pick up uh, Hayato Sakamoto sketchbook as well. Uh, and then Alex Milne sketchbook. What kind of stuff's in the Sakamoto sketchbook? Uh, well, a lot of DJD, unsurprisingly. Oh, cool. It does have quite a lot of designs in it, actually. Character designs um, for Nickel, uh, for the two um, Lost Lighters that get incinerated by Sander near um, Freud's vessel. Uh, so there is actually quite a lot of stuff in here. And the, the early Nickel sketches, I think, are probably one of the best things. He so he, he designed Nickel then. That's right, yeah. But yeah, there is also, there is the big uh, sort of, um, that cover of Megatron, um, where he's holding the flowers that was the uh, retail of incentive, plus the, or rather the commissioned one, I think, plus, you know, the sketch of Megatron in the field of flowers, uh, the wonderful sort of... Um, spread um uh, it there's a lot of lines and sander who appears to have been his design as well yeah i, I just assumed uh alex will the design but uh, maybe not sander actually but i would have thought he'd have designed nickel as a, a main recurring character so that's interesting today yeah and uh, i got a thesaurus sketch of him on the back cover and another thesaurus for comparison from alex on his own sketchbook so now I have two death sources on different sketchbooks. Uh, I've I got a misfire in my uh, Alex Milne sketchbook to complement the spinister I had on these, uh, the sketch cover. There's a sort of nice counterpart there. So I thought it through was automatic. All right. Okay. So I consider myself caught up now on TF Nation. But some other things have happened in our usual milieu of the IDW comics. Yes, some comics have come out. There's been all sorts of stuff going. A bit too much. A bit too much, to be frankly honest. Yes. So I think the plan here is going to be sort of a quick proceeding of uh, more recent stuff. Because n- n- none of us are on the same page, as it were. I've been enjoying some of the Revolution stuff, but um, but haven't been reading some of the other things. Because I haven't read Revolution. I haven't had a chance to, I'm afraid. But, but actually, not just that, I'm also not impressed in Mask, Rom, Action Man, or... G.I. Joe, just like, I don't think it's really a comic aimed at me, but uh, have you read it, Maria, or are you the same boat that I am? Um, I haven't. I have had extremely little interest in finding out more about it. It's all sort of been out there somewhere. So, t- Tom, as a man who's read it, uh, sell it to us, or, or, or don't sell it. Yeah, I've taken the, I've taken the plunge here. Um, well, I was, I was expecting to uh, really hate it. Uh, because uh, I haven't been very impressed with how Titans Returns has been unfolding so far. I'm not completely uh, up to date with it, but um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. A lot of the I was very cold on the initial announcement and um, the publicity surrounding that, um, but I don't know. It just seemed like it was it was so so much of it. I thought I might as well. I quite, I quite like the previews for uh, rom and actually was quite quite you know the the the, the ash can the, like the eight page comic which they were putting alongside uh the transformers comics in the lead up to it i was quite intrigued by that i quite like the idea of um of miles mayhem the baddie from mask 
being part of the original adventure team of the like the 12 inch gi joe toys and fighting aliens or something that it's like a lot of these ideas which barber was playing around with with the movie prequel comics have kind of now find, found this new home and i thought it was a shame that those didn't really go anywhere back in the day so yeah i i, I took the plunge um i got I, I so there's so there's action man yes there's mask there's rom there's gi joe and there's micronauts Micronauts, which I didn't know anything about. I quite like Mask back in the day. Uh, Mask is the worst one. Uh, the the best thing about it is is uh, Miles Mayhem is quite a cool character because he's like one of the good guys, but he's like t- totally evil. Is that his real name? No, Miles Mannheim. Ah, uh, is that like remember one of the Fantastic Four films changed Doctor Doom's name to like Doctor? Van Damme or something like that because it's what they meant that's less silly yeah I mean it might as well be mayhem you know <laughs> at this point there's only been one issue of Mask Out so far it's kind of neat that they're like developing these weapons to fight the Transformers so of course they're transforming cars for some reason but they're crap but now they've captured Blitzwing and now they're going to make them not crap uh, the one, uh, so uh, Miles Mayhem's interesting, and the fact that the baddies from the original show, like the Venom guys, they're all on the same team together. Um, I, I don't know if you, uh, there was a, an X-Men cartoon called X-Men Evolution uh, a while back, but that put, you know, all the X-Men were still in high school, and they just did this neat thing where the other were like magneto's x-men were just basically in another high school and they were all sort of peers and kind of friends they would have to fight each other when they're in costume but when they're in civvies they they would chat that sounds like say by the bell <laughs> yeah that's that's a potentially interesting but i don't know the way they draw everyone is like just super buff or super hot and that kind of takes away from from all that and when they put on the mask they get the superpowers and i don't know <laughs> do you remember who's been drawing all this no in fact i haven't no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Chances are I wouldn't know them, but I was just curious if it was anyone that, you know, I might have known. It's well drawn. Uh, like, uh, you know, you, you kind of, you know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like that kind of superhero thing of everyone being really buff. Um, I find that just kind of boring. Is there any reason uh, why they've done Action Man as a separate thing to G.I. Joe when it was just the British name for G.I. Joe? It's... Okay, there's, there's one thing I'm going to warn you about Action Man because it's British. So they have people saying, oi, and bugger, and bollocks, uh, like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. And it, it's oh, it's awful. It's, it's, it's not like they have any British writers in IDW. They have to, they have to struggle. Pick a region and just get the dialect from there. Anyway, um, so that is it's really distracting and and awful. But if you if you can ignore that, it's actually quite a cool little spy story on there. The idea is just that, like, the action man, which you may have heard of... It, it, the, the racist German killing one. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's been, you know... Very popular again now. Yeah, it's a 007 thing. So it's like a code name that's been passed down. And now we've got this new guy, Ian, who's the newest action man. And the last action man just died. <laughs> Um, so it's that neat, like, oh, are you ready for prime time, Ian? Da, 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 da. I don't know, it's, it's just quite a neat, like, it's four issues, and I don't think he's getting his own ongoing. I think it's, it's going to be folded into revolutionaries. You know, very by the numbers, but I, I quite like that. There's, there's, a, there's a neat twist where Dr. X, you know, the baddie, the, the action man baddie. Oh, from a, from a version with Hunter from Gladiators. Yeah. I don't know. We, I, I'm, in South Africa, we have our own gladiators. We've got Savannah and <laughs> Amazon. Uh, if you're in the UK, the 90s, Hunter, Hunter from Gladiators played Action Man in some commercials. There was a, there was, wasn't there like a main, for, it was like an animated series of Action Man. Yeah, there was that as well. But he, he only did the adverts. It wasn't like his own. Okay. We, we, we need a vehicle for Hunter from Gladiators. <laughs> we're a live Action Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh... He, he gets killed, quite incidentally, the, the uh, Dr. X, and so they have, like, a new Dr. X as well. Um, and that's quite, I don't know, it's quite a neat twist. And, like, and the new Dr. X is, is like, a lady, and she's, like, quite sympathetic. Is that her real name? <laughs> the lady, the new lady Dr. X. Uh, 
<laughs> Hippie parents. Well, would you say that uh, this Transformers is obviously by a considerable margin the most popular and well-known most franchises, even more than G.R. Joe's is a bit of a slump. I didn't realise before this, IDW weren't doing any G.R. Joe comics about that Larry Hammer one. Uh, yeah, I was totally in the dark about that. So that, that's, that's in a slump. So would you, would you say Transformers overwhelms the others? Or? Well, oh, yeah. Here's, here's the thing why I think you might like Action Man is that it ties all that Furman-era... Spy nonsense. It, it like it totally makes sense that something like Action Man would exist in a world where there is the Machination and Skywatch and all that other shit. Like you know, like the Action Men, the Action Man codename has been dealing with agents of that. Oh, and Cobra. So all the sort of side adventures. Oh, oh, that's the thing. Action Man was like they tie up. Finally, that plot from Infiltration, where there's like a duplicate. Not a president. Gosh. Yeah, the president. Just, just in like in one line of dialogue, like, oh, he was so he dealt with that duplicate president. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's I like that's clever. That's, that's John Barber levels of continuity fixing that. That's the most John Barber thing ever. <laughs> um, I think it, I think John Barber writes it. Huh. That explains everything. <laughs> it's like, he must have thought I should have done that. Now it's the time I resign as editor because I have peaked. I will never be able to stop. <laughs> he's got this big whiteboard in his bedroom and he's finally meant to cr- cross that off. Um, yeah, I, 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 I did not expect to enjoy Action Man, but um, I find that was actually probably the best one. No, 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 Rom's the best one. Because Rom's nuts. I read the um, Free Comic Book Day Rom issue. So oh, yeah? Do you, know, do you know if it picks up straight from that or...? How does that work? I think so. I, I don't know if I actually read that one. What happens in the free comic book day one? God knows. Uh, <laughs> he, he turns up. There's some people and they fight. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's I suppose that could it. flow on quite really quick from there. <laughs> Let's just forget I mentioned it and just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a neat vibe uh, to Rom. That kind of it's it's sort of sort of the undercurrent uh, in Revolution. He's part of this super space despotic like Judge Dread like police force who just execute their enemies uh, just as soon as they see them. They're they're like they're they're utter fanatics and utterly pitiless. Um, and he talks like an old timey knight. Another quality British accent. <laughs> um, and you know you, you're very unambiguously on his side the way the narrative goes but um oh i remember now that there's people disguised as humans right like aliens yeah there's all these, these aliens called diorates he, he can tell them apart right yeah yeah he's got the magic eyes there are these like body snatching oh, yeah. aliens that um basically inhabit people and then become them but they're refugees <sighs> which is quite cool. They've been hiding out on Earth for hundreds of years, and they've, like, stuff's been pretty um, bad for them because the Transformers have been there, and they've had to really... They've had to go very underground, and because there's been some kind of regime change, they're not... Rom thinks he's fighting this organization. He, he, he He's not fighting the organization that he's familiar with. They've changed a bit because they've been on Earth for a long time. But Rom is, is, yeah, total fanatic. He's traveling alone. He might not even be associated with the, the Soul Star Order anymore. He's basically rogue. And, yeah, he just disintegrates people. Um, and, like, his sort of sidekick character is this woman. He kills her whole family. <laughs> Who, t- you know, are aliens. But, uh, she, you know, they didn't act. You know, she didn't. As far as she's concerned, they were her family. So, yeah, pretty pretty dark um, and it is it is aware of that, and it kind of so the undercurrent of revolution is very much this kind of I don't know anger with the police force, anger with uh, the establishment. It's it's I wasn't expecting there to be this subversive edge to it. That's it. Interesting, actually. Where like the fact that GI Joe are now being they're sort of the new EDC, they're the president's new favored people. Like that's not necessarily a good thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that like the president has made a right choice. And apparently Cobra is like a legitimate nation in this world now. Yeah, it was in the Marvel comics as well, wasn't it? We had Cobra Island, but it was a recognised uh, nation state. Oh, really? Okay. Um, well, yeah, yeah, they're using that. Um, so I'm quite interested to see where that goes. Uh, Micronauts is... Um, is, is, is anybody here, does anyone have any 
recollection or experience with Micronauts at all? Hey, all of this is new to me, Tom, or uh, all of it you're saying. <laughs> okay, because I, uh, I, I didn't know anything about Micronauts, um, except that the older kids were into it. It's Firefly, they're doing Firefly, but um, they have to get like time travellers into it, and um, these sort of big like mechs that are alive but then when you sit in them you sort of mind meld with them so they actually have a much better like headmaster thing than what titans return is doing right, give us a segue in a minute hey uh is, is actually pretty good again it's got like quite a cool sympathetic um bad guy who's kind of like just trying to keep things in control but like goes a bit too far a bit excessive but he feels that that's a necessary uh, infringement so yeah, if that's the sort of the theme of revolution, it's like you, the the villains aren't necessarily the bad guys. The good guys are actually agents of the larger evil, which the villain is either a part of or a breakaway from, or actively trying to go against it. Um, that's neat. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just like quite straightforward space adventure. Um, uh, the the art very. They've got a lot of artists on it, so. Sometimes it's very good and very well designed, and other times it looks just really rushed and trying to fill the the page count before the deadline, which is a shame. Um, the, the 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 way it, tra- it turns into Transformers is that uh, Micronus Prime has made their world, their whole universe within like within his butt or something, and um, they have now left the universe, and now they're in our universe and they're tiny. Uh, so will you be uh, really revolutionaries? Team a book of that sort. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty hooked on this all now. Uh, I mean, have you read Revolution 1? Uh, no, no, I've not read any of uh, the direct revolution stuff. Uh, I was going to say the revolution is where it's like GB Blackrock comic, so I can quite comfortably uh, leave. Well, re- Revolutionaries is going to be that, but uh, Revolution 1, um, the Autobots encountered G.I. Joe. The Autobots are doing all these humanitarian efforts, and they've got Autobot City going. G.I. Joe get reinstated over EDC, go and beat up Jazz, and um, a big sort of firefight starts happening, and they're just sort of getting it settled out. But then Ron turns up and just starts killing people. <laughs> and now they all hate Ron. Uh, I, yeah, I really like it. It's very well drawn, and it's, it's, it's sort of quite shocking violence in there. So every time you say Rom, I'm just picturing Quark's brother in Deep Space Nine, and I mean, I'd be a much better comic than some of little cowardly Ferengi turn around killing people. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we don't know what he looks like under that armor. Maybe he is um, Quark's brother. Considering how much they have to do, and they, they've. There's, I'm really surprised by the care that's been taken to make all these things work together. Um, and, like, there's nothing terribly intellectual or deep about any of it, but it's, you know, it's well put together for the most part. Uh, Tom, you just mentioned Headmasters a few minutes ago. So it's, not, it's not as good as when James was doing segues in the interview. It's it. You're not the same level. Uh, and something involving Headmasters has been out recently, hasn't it? Uh, Titans Return, which uh, is a five-part, because there's obviously the one-shot first, combined of all stroke Dark Cybertron style miniseries. Now, uh, what out of this have we all read? I've read five issues. Uh, Tom, have you read all of it? I've just read the one-shot so far. Um, I've skim-read through the three, three, I think, X-read issues. Is it just the two of them, actually, that are part of Titans Return? Yeah, it's two and the, the, the one off. Yeah. Yeah, and the two more missing issues, and I think that's it. Uh, I suppose the, the odd thing about this has been it's been released oddly out of sequence. It, uh, it betrayed and how you're supposed to read it. It's the one shot, uh, the two RID, then the two more BTI, and it released. I think only the one shot came out in its correct place. Uh, it's very. Bizarre. Uh, so I've, I've only just read the two RID issues because I thought I'd wait until uh, it was all out before going back to explore that. And it reads this in the correct order for the trade. I do have to say, uh, Robots in the Skies and, uh, opens with what may be some of the worst exposition dialogue I have ever read in a Transformers comic. Let us have it. Uh, now this is uh, Jazz, who's talking to some other Transformers. It's not like you hear some guys walking past going, oh, what's going on here? Can you tell me these type things? But 
doing. It's Blitzwing. Careful with him, fellas. He's a triple changer. <laughs> Who is he explaining that to? I mean, that's, that's Blitzwing, is it? Oh, thank you. I, I had never heard of this guy. It's you say, oh, that's triple changer, eh? That's, uh... Bumblebee said that to himself once, back in Infiltration. That's right. And then on the next page, Cup, for no reason, <laughs> tells everybody he spent four, six, uh, 14 billion years in a dead universe. He just randomly comes out with it. So it's got, Maybe he says that every day. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the rest of the issue. <laughs> Don't ever tell you about that time. Uh, so sort of what happens, in, but just sum it up quickly in our idea, uh, Sentinel Prime attacks Earth, and then he goes away again. And uh, nobody really cares where he's gone. <laughs> so oh yeah, he's gone off in a space bridge somewhere. Let's, let's all pose for a nice photograph that nobody's taking uh, for a, a group shot. And that, that is the plot. Okay, what's Sentinel Prime like? Uh, it talks quite lot, a lot like Galvacron. Okay. Well, it's actually, he keeps, keeps getting on to Otter. Oh, come on, Otter, let's team up and... Hang on, and uh, you're not a real. Uh, actually, the difference between him and Galvatron is that Galvatron kept going on about how Optimus wasn't a real prime, and uh, Sentinel goes on about how he himself wasn't a real prime. Uh, but otherwise, oh, and his head comes off. Yeah, because he's what? He's Infinitus, right? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, but he, he, makes Alpha, he makes Blackrock Alpha Prime's head, and I'm not really sure why. <laughs> who he calls Sovereign, right? Yes, yeah, he, he decides to rename him as well. It's a very odd couple of issues. Um, I, I remember, because I've sort of skim-read it, as I say, but the, that bit where he goes up to Alpha Trion and introduces himself, that piece of dialogue was just painful. It's just, as you say, just meant to sound kind of grandiose and, you know, formal, but, yeah, it's just not good. It's, it's really, it's not John Barber at his best. I don't know, maybe he was already out the door when he was writing this. I mean, it's a, I, mean I think you'd say this about the whole crossover, actually. You get the feeling the two writers didn't really care that much about the, the crossover aspects and the toy promotion. Uh, well, in, in the more recent I have, James just does focuses more and more on BTI stuff and then the Titans Return stuff. While here, it's just. <laughs> I quite like the vibe in the More Than Meets the Eye section of the one shot where like where the Megatron is watching like the propaganda film that Rewind made about Sentinel Prime. Oh yeah, that was a good bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Um so does that come through the idea that like Sentinel was the first Decepticon? Not really, no. We yeah, I I had forgotten I don't remember uh, that. Sentinel is very upset Megatron made him into a chair. That's his main beef. <laughs> yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? <laughs> Why is he alive? Uh, oh, because he because he's a head. Oh, good, because someone stole his yeah. head, right? And he wasn't really. A, a, he was a, so he was a little guy the whole no, time. Nobody knew it was a surprise. <laughs> so, so. Okay, so wait, hang on, hang on, because we've had we've had lots of headmasters yeah. uh, in IDW so but far. But wait, there's been before. Isn't there some backstory as well? Doesn't he tell Alpha Tryon that he's been secretly sent to study somebody something and had been biding his time or am i completely that is in there right i haven't just made this up that, that might be that bad exposition i was left outside of to follow the teachers of original primes my life given purpose by their lights i shot that light upon a tarnished world that allowed darkness to subsume me uh so somebody sent it to Cybertron to watch people. I don't know if he it expounds on that later on or not. I can't quite remember that. And I've only just read this as well, which is perhaps worrying. <laughs> so, <I'm... laughs> so you were asking about Headmaster Sam, were you? I think we, we only, in the end, we end up with only the two, don't we? Yeah, well, he chops off Soundwave's head at one point, so presumably he's going to have to become a... But then he gets better uh, after having his head chopped off. I, I, I was a little confused by that bit, so... He, he doesn't chop his head off. I think he, he like, he slices him across the, the middle. Oh, yeah. Very clearly going across his spark, but then Sandwave is miraculously just fine. <laughs> it's mocking the death of Ravage. It's like, everybody else 
Let's bisect the fine. And it's a wonderful panel by Livio as well. It's, it's beautiful. The art, everything yeah. is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Very I mean, the, the, the art of these two issues is very good. Livio is on uh, some fine form here. You can tell I me, mean, these aren't being done as toy packings, are they? Uh, I get, oh, well, obviously, because the toys are out, so they don't have comics with them, I suppose. So, uh, they're playing it a bit looser this time. They're not. Ah, Fortress Maximus is done, is it? Like his toy. And Sentinels that really look anything like his toy in any way, shape, or form. So it's, uh... Well, actually, Fortress Maximus Titan is like his toy, isn't he? Oh, yes, yeah, but it's, it's not like Fortress, Fortress Maximus doesn't become his head, uh, I should say. Right? Yeah, how does that go down in More Than Meets the Eye? Okay, so More Than Meets the Eye 46 was released before XRID 40. Six, is that right? Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, they were out of order, anyway. So when I... More than BTI, R.I.D. More than BTI, R.I.D. Uh, okay. The, the, two, the last two came out on the same day, digitally, but they were a week apart physically, just to make it more confusing. Right, so XRID 47 isn't actually physically out yet. It's coming out next week. Uh, but it is out on... It's out on Comic Solicitor. Oh, it should be out on Wednesday, yeah. Anyway, I read more than Mincia 47 before I'd read XRID. Sorry, 46. Before XRID 46, because XRID 46 was not yet. I got very confused. (laughs) Like, you could follow, but unfortunately, it completely killed any possible interest I could have had in the story. And then I just stopped caring, unfortunately. Um, like if if the publisher isn't interested enough to get me interested in their story, I'm not gonna make the effort to be interested in the crossover story that's you know the end of a book that I really liked and has been cut short to start something that I don't care about right now. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. My, my attitude is the same. If it's not the fact we were talking about it on this podcast. I would not have read the R.I.D. issue, Silver Trade. I just wasn't... I didn't want to reward... I mean, I read more than BTI because I like more than BTI. You know, James, he's a bit of a fan, but uh, releasing the stories out of order was a mistake. I didn't want to, to back that up by giving them money until, until we decided to do it on the podcast. I thought I should probably read the issues. I, I appreciate nobody meant for this to happen, you know, but it seems like there's been this transition editorial period at IW, whatever the hell is going on over there at the moment. It seems to just be really messing everything up and it's just like, whatever. But anyway, more than meets the effort six um, uh, takes us to Luna One, where we find Ford Max and Red Alert. Uh, we last saw them in... Um, Issue 50, when they're watching the transmission um, from the Necrobots planet. Um, so the last time we actually saw Fort Max and Red Alert was in the Scavengers issue. And that's when Fort Max uh, rescued all the uh, roboids, um, took them over to Luna 1. And uh, they've got Cerebros there who's been treating them and making them better and reversing the domestication process. They've got a space bridge to Cybertron. So as um, they get better, they get sent back. All you know, we, we've still got the whole Titan graveyard, you know, and everything as we left it back in, you know, uh, remaining light. And uh, we start the book of, with Red Alert being sort of Red Alertish, very paranoid about pretty much everything everybody says. There's a lot of talk about patterns, seeing patterns. And then things get a little bit confused because then the space, space bridge opens. And honestly, I can't remember what happens first. Either Sentinel, Sentinel arrives first or Prowl arrives first. But, but I think it's Prowl when he's going, oh, I've got to tell, I don't, uh, he is, oh, because RC called him. Sorry, yes, it's XRD, RC phones of Prowl. At one point he says, hey, Sentinel Prime, he's doing a thing. The Prowl's like, well, okay, I'll, I, I'm going to go do a thing as well. That's right, which you don't actually know at that point because XRD wasn't out yet. But yeah. then it all made sense why Prowl has suddenly arrived. I should say the art in these two issues is by Priscilla Tramontana. Um, it's a it's a different tone, I think, to what we're used to in More Than Meets the Eye. Her style is a lot cuter, I, as I guess. Um, um, the art is lovely, it's fantastic, but the tone is different. Uh, it gives it the more sort of light-hearted feel, if you will, and a kind of like which in a in a story that you're already not really taking very seriously, it just makes it all a really big jolly in a way. You know, you kind of stop caring about what's actually going on, and you just like. 
focusing on the fun moments that are coming up. People seem divided on that, from what I read. Uh, I did it by the arts, but I think you're, you're right uh, that it was a bit fluffier, uh, if that's a word, than usual. Uh, I think it was perhaps hurt in terms of how it was received by the stuff in the second issue, where it was like re going into older issues, uh, doing an alternate take on issue one and issue six, where you have a Nick Road chart in your head compared to for those issues. Uh, so that's that created some of the available comparisons. I didn't mind the art. I thought it was fine, as, as it were. Anyway, there's fighting. <laughs> there's also Blackrock in there, who is uh, called Sovereign for the whole thing. So you don't actually know that he's Blackrock unless you've read the story so far at the beginning, which is spoiling you ex Robots in Disguise, which you haven't read yet because it's not out yet. Um, anyway, things get confused. Um, what happens um, at the end of the, um, uh, the first part is that we have some kind of payoff finally to Red Alert's um, uh, Nemo surgery from all the way back in Shadowplay. So that comes into place. And we find out that he, well, we kind of guess, even I think at the end of the first part, that he's a sleeper agent of some kind. And that's what that was all about. And he gets activated by Sentinel. Um, and then you've got your second issue where Red Alert is obviously trying very hard to get on top of what's happening to him. Um, and we've got some flashbacks back to Mother Mitzi Main. We've, we see things from Red Alert's point of view. So there's the recruitment, um, not recruitment, but the, the initial boarding of the Lost Light, uh, where Red Alert is checking everyone's name. Uh, one of the very first things that happened in Mother Mitzi So we have his conversation there with uh, Brainstorm, his conversation with Swerve, and then things go a little bit like weird because you have things in there that haven't actually happened um, and you realize what's going on is that Red Alert has got some kind of like messages on top of messages in his subconscious as he's trying to break through something is trying to tell him that this isn't really happening the way you think it's happening anyway the rest of the issue is a sort of struggle for Red Alert to get on top of uh, the mind control um, Prowl is in the, you know, he doesn't really feel like Prowl yet again. There's a, a different version of Prowl in here. He's still missing his eye. Um, oh! He's, um, he, seems, he seems very nonplussed about everything that's happening. Uh, he's sort of like, oh, do, like, you want to kill me? You too? Like, I, I can't remember what the, like, I've pissed so many people off. I don't even remember what I've done to you. Can you remind me? Uh, kind, of, kind of attitude. He's, he's lost, you know, any interest in what's happening around him. It's all a big, a big joke. Um, Who could that be a metaphor for? That's right, <laughs> yeah. So this is after wherever it is that they took him at the end of Sins. RC contacts him. Which hasn't been explained still. I don't know. Man, he was on to say he had a phone and they could have got him any time. Isn't he like a wanted criminal? That is forgotten here. He's like just a, he's just a guy behind this issue. He's just he's just somewhere, and RC tells him you need to sort this out, and he's like, I know what to do, I know where Sentinel is going to be. So he just turns up, and he kind of saves the day in a way. He doesn't really save it; he helps save the day. So what happens with the Titan Fort Max is they they kind of manipulate the Titan from inside his brain, and Fort Max is driving him basically. Oh, okay. So he doesn't get body swap. No. So you've got Fort Max, the actual Fort Max inside Titan Fort Max, kind of like pulling the strings. Okay, I guess so that so so. V very literally, not very literally, like inside his brain module, like. <laughs> oh wow. Like a puppet kind of thing. Okay, so this, so this is really just like here's the toy. Now, please, can I go back to whatever I was gonna do? <laughs> Well, I suppose what we mean too much is but it does feel like uh, there's a slight disinterest in the sensible crime plot in that it ends by sensible crime falling down a big hole and nobody caring. People go, did you hear him drop? And they go, no. From experience, that means he's dead. Okay, he's probably dead. Let's all go do the dishes. Literally, <laughs> they all go and do the dishes. It's very Dreamwave Shockwave. That's all he's... Well, no, I, don't, I think that would make it much better if, if Shockwave fell in a big hole and everyone was... Doing the dishes afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I th I, to me, this is what saves it. This is because if it, it was taking itself any more seriously than that, I would have really struggled. But it's clearly not. Um, it's clearly 
you know, I think this is uh, saying, look, okay, there's some kind of plot in here that we, it's more like plot happened to a random bantery more than MCI issue. If you, rather than the issue being the plot. Okay. So it's like they were all just hanging around and then all, all hell broke loose and then they just went back to it. Kind it's of just thing. a wacky day on Luna <laughs> 1. They, they may as well have been the scavengers, really, in this issue. This is the kind of mood that the book has. But, like, wait, if, if, if you can just get from Cybertron to Luna 1 whenever, why isn't everyone checking? Isn't Luna 1, like, it's kind of, like, it's it's like Camelot? It's, it's like Xanad? It's, it's like Shangri-La? Yeah, not even mentioned. No, we don't know what's going on with the moon, do we? But, but what Sentinel was wanting to do, basically, the reason why he got there, was he wanted to uh, get all the Titans uh, to Cybertron because he wants to make Cybertron great again. Because Titans return. Um, and he, he wants to bring order back to Cybertron. No more of this uh, conjuncts and Jura on the streets kind of business. <laughs> and all these other... Um, you know, colonials who've turned up, and we we need to uh, we need to go back to the glory days, kind of thing. Okay. Um, that's Sentinel's motive for everything he does. Yeah, that was in that was in the one shot where he just starts like shooting people. He wants Cybertron to leave the Galactic Union, basically. <laughs> so. uh... He wants to build a wall. <laughs> Two things to say about this for me. Three things rather. Prowl gets his eye fixed at the end. Yay! Again. He decides he wants to stay on Luna One and do the and do the dishes with the others. Oh. Um. He we have a table flip, a, a direct homage to the first dish table flip. Another one. We just had a. That's the thing. I would have enjoyed this because it's actually it's uh, you know very self conscious one this one, um, whilst the other one wasn't. If I really wish we hadn't had the Megatron one because I would have enjoyed this if we hadn't. Uh, but now it was again. I had the same reaction as you. It was sort of like what what again? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's it's their last issue. They're allowed. It, but wow, that's that's. They just did it. They just had Megatron. It, it's mm, okay. Um, I I thought it was a bit of a shame that the red alert um, plotline was resolved in this way. I... Yeah, because I would guess that wasn't what was intended originally. That would be something to ask James about in the future, actually, what he was originally thinking when he put those marks on his neck back in Shadow Play. Yeah. Because clearly he wasn't thinking, I want to resolve this in a plot line where Sentinel 5 comes and pulls out a big hole. That's, that's my goal. I bet my bottom dollar that he did not have an idea of what was no. going to happen. No. Here's something for later. So, so Red Alert is Sentinel's guy? Yeah, it says our Red Alert, uh, Sentinel Prime is crazy prepared, like a John Barber villain. <laughs> and he's planned out all these things. He wasn't expected to see Red Alert there. It just happened to be Shadow Lane, Red Alert, the shits and giggles years before. So it's, uh, but he's not surprised by Red Alert being there. He even very happy. Red Alert is just going to use him. Uh, anyway, it's very unlikely that he, the one person who survives all my shadow play experiments will be here. Well, I get, it's the implication that he's just been shadow playing fucking everyone. Uh, he he does say he has a lot of sleeper agents, so he's expecting to be, and he planned at some point to uh, sort of make use of them, activate them all, and take over Cybertron. So yeah, Red Alert wasn't unique in that way. Okay. He does say Red Alert's the only one left, though. Um, I'm not sure how he checked that. Where we got on the Cybertron census and looked up some names. <laughs> he checked the Necrobos database. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just who's been buying copies of Catching the Rye. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm probably doing this a huge disservice, you know, because I've gone into it with a very negative, you know, frame mind. But uh, there are good bits about it. But, you know, I, I kind of wish that stopped the numbering at 55 and treated this as a, another two-part of one-off and like they're doing with the next one and just kind of finished it, you know, where it could have finished. This is this feels so redundant. This is like a spotlight. You know, it's like an extra thing. It's not really part of the story in a way, so... I, I think that's what they would have done if they'd have known where they had this out. They were going to be renaming the book. Because uh, I think that seems to have been a yeah. relatively late... D- 
decision to uh, rename and renumber. They could have. I mean, the numbering could have. They could have done away with that. Surely, even at the last minute, they could have just gone. Okay, we're we're gonna stop counting now. But plus, they just call it like Titus Return Part One, Two, Three, and Four. That would have helped you know which orders really did as well. Which one? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a shame actually that Prowl is so off here because he was Sentinel Prime's guy back in the day. Oh. And there's no real sense of these people know each other, or he was like his second in command. You could have, you could have made a thing out of. Then what time been made, so... Well, there was, though. There is quite... There's a lot of mention to it, yeah. It doesn't feel... Whether Prowl's just so generally jolly this issue, is it? It's... I think Prowl, very much like James Roberts, probably, in this issue, has just gone, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't care. <laughs> Fucking headmasters. Didn't we decide this was a terrible idea after Sunsweeter? <laughs> on, on the plus side, Prowl has decided he's going to stay on Luna 1 for a while and take a vacation, which might mean we might not see him for a while. <laughs> Unless there's a, a domestic comedy about them doing housework. <laughs> this is like the rest of their days cleaning the insides of Titans. Okay, what, what I liked about the issue is the more BTI-ish stuff. I liked how they got the regular characters in. Without having to bring them back through the, the mindscape. Uh, it was all very like an episode of Angel, where Angel in his head has to find Evil Angel uh, with Faith. Probably good intention here, I'm sure there's um, a precedent to that as well, but it did remind me of that a lot. I liked seeing the robots again and picking up on them, because uh, that was a, like, a, a nicely random thing to include in this crossover. I don't know what anyone who was just reading this crossover would think. Who like we brought ill Titans Return? I I like the sound of that. They've they, they, they probably been a bit lost there. They said it works better for GI Joe, meaning uh, the RID issues as uh, their sort of randomly included thing. Uh, and I like the end with uh, the dishes and you know, the, the whole Alicia Disc addiction. Does he wash up? Yes, he does wash up. There you go. Proud is your perfect man, Alicia Dixon. You should uh, date him. <laughs> uh, you keep saying that. What what does that mean? What is this? Who's Alicia Dixon? Oh, you got to do the homework time. If I've said it before, it's my one joke about this issue. You have to do the homework <laughs> to appreciate it. <laughs> it's a pop song from about ten years ago by someone who was briefly famous, uh, where they were really upset that their boyfriend wasn't washing up or scrubbing up or cleaning up. Uh, they were very annoyed by it. And uh, well, they need to have a talk about expectations. Yes, yeah, yeah, maybe if I wash up, you could scrub up the next day. Uh, maybe I shouldn't sort you know, out. That's my satire of old pop songs that nobody clearly really remembers. <laughs> maybe this issue will lead to having a revival. <laughs> there is a, the comedy moment in the middle of all the dishwashing where they hear a sound and go, oh, God, please don't tell me it's a bloody dishwasher. It's, do they have, like, a roboid who has turned into a dishwasher? <laughs> There is no actual dishwasher. Um, there, there are no actual dishes. This is all metaphors for things. Um, I suppose the other possible we talk about is uh, Cerebros, who I thought was... Because uh, we've heard of him, of course. Yes, yeah, so, well, they have Cerebros in it, but they don't do giant Fort Max. No, uh, Cerebros is very odd because he keeps having... I guess you're meant to think that he'll turn out to be the bad guy because in the first issue, he keeps having really sinister dialogue where he goes, when I was at the Institute... I learnt this way of playing with people's brains. Let me do it to the robots. Come on. <laughs> Please. And that seems to be his only reason to be in the issue because he doesn't really contribute that much for the second part. He just bears to be a red herring in the first, which is a bit... He, he, he does restore all, all the robots to health. Or I think that's... Uh, he he has some kind of pretty essential part in the story. No, but, but he can wash up quite well. Brainwashing. It was nice and consensual. Brain rewiring. <laughs> he was doing it in the end. <laughs> okay, so a bit of an off day for everybody. When did the when did Barber quit as editor? Uh, I believe these issues weren't edited by him, uh, so it would have been because uh, I think James said on Twitter. I wasn't paying attention when he buried any um, Barber and edited all but the last two issues of uh, more of a BTI. So this is, this is after he's quit, but this was put together. Fifty six uh, is uh, edited by John Barber. Oh, do you know what? John Barber is also a co-editor in 57 um, with uh, Carlos Guzman. Uh, so he's there till the end. Um, so yeah, in October we haven't got an issue. Uh, in November we have the one of Revolution, which is I think the final Revolution issue, which is the more than the one with the scavengers. 
And then Lost Light comes out on the 20th, I think, of December it is. Now, it's not the first time I've made a comparison to this TV show, probably much people's annoyance, but it's very like when Babylon 5 finished, and it had its big final episode, and then they did some TV movies that were setting up spin-offs, or just sort of randomly, hey, remember those guys who collected people's souls from season one? Let's do a movie about them for no, with Ian McShane in it for no readily apparent reason. But this feels like sort of one of those slightly redundant TV movies setting up a spin-off that nobody really is that bothered about, but it's still sort of nice characters again. Uh, it's it's a, a coda, I suppose. Um, uh, uh, 55 is the end, and then there's a washing-up scene. Okay. Um, so what have we, what each of, what have each of us learned about what's been going on in the comics? Ooh, I would say I've learned that it's a bit of a rough patch at the moment. <laughs> I, I think um, I'm treating this as a bit of a break. And I'm sort of like enough to make me really miss more than it's air proper and then be very excited for Lost Light in December. Okay, so the more than meets the eye revolution tie-in is that is that something to look forward to? Oh yeah, I think that will be good fun, and that's uh, for different reasons. Um, James Roberts and Nick Roach are co-writing. The scavengers are in it. Alex Mellon is drawing it. Yeah, that should be fun. That should be fun. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm hoping it ends with all the uh, Mike Rourke's Rom, GI Joe, and uh, Action Man all falling down a big hole. <laughs> <laughs> you hear the man? No, no, it's gone. They're gone. So, what are we? Because obviously, everything's relaunching in December. What are we looking forward to uh, from the relaunch stuff? Then is for me, it's mainly just lost lines. I feel I'm not really huge amounts of excitement for the other stuff, uh, the Optimus Prime book and the uh, revolutionaries side of thing, which is that's a bit of a shame. Um, uh, are you too enthusiastic for everything, or? Um, as I just said, I'm looking forward to uh, really looking forward to Lost Light now relaunching, or rather launching. Well, let me say relaunching, I guess. Um, I don't know if I'm particularly enthused about the plot of Optimus Prime, but I am dying to see K. Zaman interiors. Um, that should be one gorgeous looking book. And I'm not sure that we know who the colorist for that is going to be, because I find K. Zaman's lines. Can like the colors can make or break them sometimes. I find some colors work on her lines much much better. And she's done some covers recently with Joss Burcham that were absolutely superb. So I think her lines are quite sharp. I think softer colors probably work on them a little bit better, like more matte colors. I think. Would um, Joss Joss Burcham be be uh, your colorist of choice? For not necessarily, prime? not necessarily. Um, but that kind of style, I think, the more toned down, not this big bright kind of. Um, you know, the ones that we're used to, I think, I guess, by default in uh, um, what they mean to say books or, uh, you know, all Transformers books, really. I think uh, when she was sharing images on Twitter from her Scarlet Witch issue, uh, I actually thought at the time, oh, those colours are very Josh Bertram. I don't think he worked on that issue, but it felt evocative of his style, so I guess. Uh, Marvel at least had thought, yeah, that, that's a colour palette that works with his art, so hopefully... Uh, that'd be the same for IDW. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, and the other thing that we haven't talked about at all is Tilol R1. Oh! Um, have you guys been reading that? I need, I need to catch up on the last issue. Uh, I enjoyed the first three issues, though. Uh, apparently, according to the TF Wiki page, I think the two issues after ones that have come out are going to be Titans Return-related. Uh, but, yeah, generally, uh, it's uh, probably a bit overlooked... Uh, as a book, but it's a, it's a fun little book. It sort of rocks along, doing its own. Thing. That's funny. It sort of sounds slightly patronising towards you, know, ruffling its hair again. Oh, you you have a little book with can. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've enjoyed what I've read so far. Uh, yeah, agree. Overlook is definitely the word. I mean, uh, I've, I've read all four issues. Uh, I'd say it's probably the most consistently good Transformers book out at the moment. Um, considering I've gone a bit lukewarm on the others, it's got that very margaret scott feel that it feels like a tv show which has been cut up into little bits uh which if you know it's coming is fine really nice well overdue delve into what's going on inside the head of uh, a gestalt bot um of a combiner 
uh, found quite nice and some nice it's just good character work on the combaticons worst part about it is i still can't tell the combaticons apart <laughs> i've just about started yeah. like i can tell a couple of them i still don't remember the names but i remember who they are well if it's like victoria i'm doing any really cares <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Victorian's even got two cars and two helicopters, just making things even more confusing. Uh, and they're all the same colour, aren't they? They're all, like, turquoise and... So, so, what are you looking forward to, Red Tom? What's going to be your jam come December? Very sincerely looking forward to seeing how Evolution pans out. Uh, I think I'm kind of hooked on, on ROM. I might keep an eye on Micronauts. And re- revolutionaries, uh, I think I'll probably at least look at. I, I, I think that sort of spy genre with these ridiculous uh, roots in a kind of silly toy mythology um, is, is what Barber's kind of born to do. I'm dreading Optimus Prime because I think that's the completely opposite direction that should be gone in. Barber needs to, to pull... It, he was strongest when he's working um, with an ensemble, and I'm, if it's Quidditch Sons and Unicron, I don't really. They'll need to do something really new uh, to impress me there. But the art looks lovely, uh, as you say. If you have been enjoying the revolution stuff that Bob has been writing, maybe that'll carry on. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Um, it, from from what's going on with XRID, I guess like I don't know. Maybe it'd be nice if he's focusing a bit more on on writing things uh, rather than. But I don't know. I mean, I, you know, we've seen what these comics can be like when there's a bad editor. And Bob has been the best. Uh, Bob and Guzman have um, have been the best so far. So, uh, yeah, it could all go to hell. Yeah, that's almost why I'm kind of glad that there is a clear differentiated line now of everything we're launching. Because, uh, yeah, I want the comics to continue to be good. And I hope the new editor, once they've probably got their feet under the table and sort out all these odd little problems we've been having, they'll be rocking it. But if things go oddly wrong, at least we've got this sort of four-year defined period of really good comics that didn't get sullied by getting utterly crap as they went on. The categorization is clear. Is that that what you're pleased about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, So I think... uh, well, I suppose in comic-y related terms, one of the other things that is launched uh, recently in the UK is a Transformers part work that is going to be reprinting everything in hardback, fortnightly, if it goes nationwide. They're testing it in Manchester at the moment. Uh, I know a lot of people are asking questions about how part works, part works work. Uh, so if people Google my website and look at the aspects of evil Galvatron piece, I explained how artworks work at the start of this in covering it, and I uh, because I've said a lot of the same questions from people. The books themselves look very nice, uh, assuming they sort out the editorial snafus like Target 2006 artwork being used in Swordbringer book, and vice versa. Uh, but that, that looks like a, a particularly nice uh, thing if, if you're into artworks and uh, having hardbacks of stuff. I don't know, would that be something the two of you would be interested in, or is that, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not for me, really, no. I I don't think I would be investing in that, but I understand it comes with lots of freebies and things like that, like if you go for the subscription, is that right? Yeah, I mean, none of it's it's like a bookend and uh, a sweatband. So if you get too sweaty, you're reading the comic. Well, well, Stormbringer, it's really (laughs) really hard work. I have subscribed to the tests anyway, and I picked up an issue when I was in Manchester today, and it it looks uh, pretty nice. Uh, I would be surprised if it goes nationwide, to be honest, because it seems like a bit too much of a niche thing. Uh, They're training a Spider-Man one at the same time. If if they're only going to do one, they'll do the Spider-Man one. If it, I would definitely be interested in getting the Marvel ones anyway, because uh, that's like doing the UK and US stuff all together. And it'd be some more than we sell hardbacks as well at the end there, which is quite fun. This month of October is TFCon Chicago, which I am going to. And I wanted to mention this because I'm really excited about it. But I also wanted to mention it because I will 
possibly be on a panel about podcasters and podcasts. So if you are at TFCon Chicago, please come over and listen to us talk. It's going to be fun. I understand there will be freebies and things and, you know, it, it'll be good. Um, but the other reason why I want to mention it is because everybody will be there. You guys, everybody, the only person who's not going to be there, as far as I'm aware, is John Barber and James Roberts, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but uh, Nick Roach is going to be there, Josh Burcham is going to be there, Alex Milne, Josh Perez, um, Sarah Peter Durocher, um, Casey Collar. Like anyone I could think of who hasn't yet signed my books will be there. And my my biggest dilemma is what do I take with me what, what do I need Josh Burcham to sign more than anything else <laughs> because comic books are heavy things and I can't take a lot unfortunately and just taking last hand of the records hardback with me is going to be I guess the holiday special of course yeah yeah of course he did oh that would be lovely actually uh, is there going to be a podcast and a podcast panel will, will those of us not there be able to hear you slander the entire it will be really hilarious if we manage to do a podcast panel and not somehow broadcast it so <laughs> I am hoping I'm hoping that they will be uh, you've got to fight our corner anyway into those lesser podcasts <laughs> who have, I've made my enemies. <laughs> Tell them I have drills for fingers. Uh, but, uh, yes, yeah, so is, is there anything that anybody else wants to bring up or have we covered all our, all our bases? Uh, anyway, I suppose this may be our last one of a year because uh, we've lost light not out until December. Yeah, we, we might attempt to do something before Christmas, I guess, or around the Christmas break. That might be a, a, you know, a good time for all of us to have some free time. Then. Yeah, we're working on something fairly sizable, uh, which will be fun to, to more than meets the eye fans, but uh, we, we're trying to figure out the logistics of it. Cool, so that's uh, stuff to look forward to then. Uh, so, sign off then before we all jump down our deep dark hole. Would you find people like to tell uh, our listeners your Twitter handles and anything you're doing at the moment they might be interested in? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Morta. You can also find me on Tumblr uh, as Morta. Um, and uh, if you're going to be at TFCon Chicago, come and say hello. I go by at Tyrone McNally on Twitter. I am the producer and writer of The Saga of the European King, an audio drama that taps into all this horrible franchise fiction that we crave, that destroyed culture. Chapter 21 just dropped, and it is my duty to urge you to go and check it out on sagaoftheeuropeanking.com or subscribe on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. Without your ears, we are nothing. A friend of mine and I just made a little game, a text adventure called Can You Stop Jeremy Corbyn From Joining ISIS? Seek that phrase out. That'll put you on a list somewhere and you'll have up to an hour of fun trying to stop Jeremy Corbyn from joining ISIS. Oh. And I, if uh, if you were one of the hosts of the Transmissions podcast, I would be at it Facebook daily. Uh, I, I'm not letting you back go, ever. And... <laughs> Uh, and you can find my solarpool uh, at Weebly uh, blog, looking at every issue of the British Transformers comic in order. I will probably try and write something about the end of more of the on there as well in the next week or so. I would have done so already, but I have been ill. Uh, uh, some general thoughts. Uh, you may hear some of my funny stories that you've already heard on this podcast. Uh, this will be it. So let's uh, let's do a, a sign-off. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Aw, bye-bye. And now, everybody, let's all clap. So this isn't particularly groundbreaking stuff, but tell me about it.